left, right. 50 episodes. Take that, podcast peoples. Uh, either way, you're tuned in for episode 50 of Sip Talk. We're talking about tolerance. While we started talking about tolerance, uh, my goal is to shift the conversation, at least in my network and my influence, uh, towards tolerance. Because in my opinion, people right now are not... Tolerance isn't a thing any, anymore. Sticks and stones may break my bones. You haven't heard in, in two, three decades. Um, so I just I think people need to be a little more understanding of others. Uh, and you'll see James really brings great perspective when it comes to looking at other people. And uh, I don't know. Either way. Watch, listen to the episode, and uh, I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 Today we have the renowned Rosh Galeb. Uh, photographer extraordinaire, videographer extraordinaire, uh, the foundation for Sip Talk, really. Couldn't do this without you. Uh, you, yeah, you built yeah. the platform and now you just, you know, now we're cruising uh, at high altitudes. Uh, we have James of Bosnator Boswell, live in South Carolina, accountant, referee, philosopher. Uh, I'm missing something in there. What, what's, what's the one I'm missing? Um, um, bartender. I don't know. Bartender. Yeah, there we go. So they're very opinionated. Um, Yo, I got so much shit in California. On the last day that I was there, we went to a bar. Uh, we, we were eating out that outdoors at a taco place. And the the server comes up and, and takes our drink order. And I order a Hemingway daiquiri. Okay. Which, for those, for those of you don't who don't know, a Hemingway daiquiri is going to be rum, lime juice, grapefruit juice, and Luxardo. So... Out of those four ingredients, only one of those is going to be questionable as to whether or not a bar is going to have it. And so, yeah, the Luxardo, of course. Um, and the server comes up to me and she says, look, we don't have a blender. I was like, no, nah, this drink doesn't require that. <laughs> Are they steering it? And she's like, well, it's not on the menu. I was like, I guarantee you, you've got most, if not all the ingredients. And my brothers give me all sorts of crap. Why are you ordering a drink off the menu? And because it, it, it's a simple drink. So okay. she goes to the bar and yeah. you're like, yeah, we don't have Luxardo. We can't make it. I was like, go ahead and sub in triple sec. I guarantee you have that. It's a Mexican place that serves tacos. You're going to have triple sec because you make margaritas. Everyone's like, why are you being so difficult? I'm like, it's not a difficult drink. That is, that can be a, that can be a difficult drink. No, it's, it's not. It's not difficult. Four ingredients. Learn, it's not difficult once you learn it. But a lot of things, a lot of things, and the, you know where we're going with this, a lot of things can be daunting before you're familiar with them. And, and I think what you were just talking about in terms of moving forward and, and being afraid of change and things like that. And we were talking about beforehand on the topic of tolerance, when we sent, spent 10 minutes deciding what we were going to talk about. Um, it's good to be but I think, I think I need to open this drink. Actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're giving we're giving the uh, the users an insight into the writers' room. All three minutes of it. Yeah, well, all three minutes of it. So um, we got so drinking. We got a Bud Light with lime. And you are. I got another Goose Island IPA. Cheers, happy birthday, Rob. Oh, thank you. 
used to serve the goose on IPA at the bar. I'm drinking a Bud Ice that I stole from my roommate because he stole a whole bunch of my beer. So it's payback time. Well, that's that's roommate. That's roommate living. And uh, yeah, you know, that's. Mm. I told you you would like that. It's really the, good. The Bud, Light, the Bud Light with lime is not is not a it's, terrible drink. No, nah, it's really good. I like that lime. Yeah, it's a lot but of I alcohol. do remember James uh, in the uh, sip talk episode where you were talking about building a bar. I do remember one of your uh, uh, must have is a triple sec. So, so I yeah, really understand the whole... it's a critical ingredient. It, it goes in so many things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the margarita is a basic drink. If you went to a, so. The issue is you ordered off the menu, which right. But I, I order didn't order a complicated if, if drink. If you go to like a Fridays and they have a cocktail menu, all right, with all the you this know, wasn't the, a Fridays. The fabulous flapjack, uh, you know, drink. It's got twelve ingredients in it. But then you're like, can I get a rum and coke? That's okay. That's one way to order off the menu. But when you ask for a Hemingway daiquiri, there's a really high probability somebody's not going to. <laughs> not going to know that now you know it because you've had that experience before all right but- so let me tell you something about my experience when i was bartending <laughs> is if somebody ordered a drink that wasn't on the menu which happened fairly commonly i would usually be like if if it was something that i already knew the drink then i'd just be able to inventory what i had in the ingredients be like yo i can make that or i can't but if it was a drink that I'd never heard of before, when I first started bartending, I had this weird anxiety about what would happen if somebody ordered a drink that I didn't know because I wanted to pretend like I knew more than I did. And so I got over that really quick because if somebody ordered a drink that I hadn't heard of before, all I would do is I just pull up my phone and search for it. And usually for pr- practically any drink, you're going to find four or five different variations on a, on a given recipe. So I would just look and kind of like, take those four or five different variations, put them into one recipe in my head. And then if I could make it great, if not, whatever. But it was something where whenever somebody ordered a drink that I hadn't made before, I was like, great, I get to make something new. Like I've never done this before. Let's see how this goes. Cause they're going to have an idea as to what it's supposed to taste like. I've never made it before. So let's see if I've make, if I can make it better than what they were expecting. Fucking great. So I always loved it when I got to make a drink that I hadn't made before. That's how I learned. And you so, wonder, and you wonder why we throw a uh, bartender in your in your uh, introduction here. This is this is. Uh, but you take very like serious. if a bartender, if, if like I get it, if you're a server and you don't know drinks, that's fine. But don't just say like, "Well, we can't make that." Go talk to the bartender. Be like, "Yo, I got this customer who wants to make a Hemingway daiquiri. Do you know how to make that?" And if the bartender has any worth whatsoever, they're going to say one of two things, which is. Yeah, I can make that, or let me look it up, and we'll see if we get the ingredients. Not you'd be surprised at the number of people that do not think like that. And as someone who runs a business, I <laughs> I am no longer surprised by the fact that you ask somebody to do something simple, and they are yeah. completely. Now, completely if you're going to a specialized cocktail bar where they've got a very refined menu where they do all sorts of unique craft cocktails or whatever, that's probably a time that you're not going to order off the menu because they've got all these crazy things that they do. But if you're just going to your kind of average restaurant that's going to have some kind of a bar menu that they've got their own cocktails that they came up with or whatever, I don't see there being any problem ordering off the menu as long as you're not ordering some drink that obscure that you're not going to be able to find it that's got like three different ingredients one source from guam one source from like sudan and the other (laughs) one's going to be from like this small village fishing village in like alberta canada like if you're ordering that you're a dick but if you're ordering a drink that has relatively common ingredients i love how uh set you are you have you are so set in your own ways 
and actually this falls perfectly well, that's, tall, right? that's where yeah because he knows what he wants and he might be actually not so accepting of difference yeah but that's but that's this tolerance thing is the ability to deal with adversity and and not let it slow you down and not let it just affect you in any way and some people shut down james challenges it and faces it head on when it comes to drinks at least um but i thought dude i'll I'll give you another story very quickly from california okay we're we're all ears so one of my brother's friends is dating a girl that's herbalism and whatnot and so this chick's convinced him to go into some some kind of like communing with plant spirits with the ayahuasca plant that doesn't mean they're doing ayahuasca and like getting the hallucinogenic properties or anything from it they're just communing with the plant spirit which means that they're basically when they get home from work they're just kind of locking themselves in a room and thinking about ayahuasca for like a straight month and wait wait, wait. so i i would love to do ayahuasca um but that's one thing that's not what they're doing no all they're doing is like communing with the plant spirit ayahuasca they're communicating with it what are they doing Dude, I don't don't ask me to explain this. It doesn't make any sense to me. But when, so my brother didn't defend this. My brother thinks very similar to the way I do. But my brother's friend, when he was explaining this to me, I was like, dude, that 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 sounds like total horseshit. And he's like, no, man, like it's this whole like asceticism thing. And I was like, dude, you're way too open minded. Like at some point, <laughs> with some. <laughs> At some point, when somebody does something that's completely idiotic, you've just got to be able to call it out and be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I, I totally agree with that point, actually. Tolerance doesn't mean that you accept it altogether. Otherwise, you'd be a people pleasing left and right. And there's no point. You just basically agree with everything, no matter what. That is not tolerance. Well, it's, 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 you have to it's employ, almost like that hipster. You have to employ time. some intelligence in anything that you do. Exactly. I want to. I want to. I want to bring up the topic that we we got into this, that kind of started the, the conversation about, and you know we were talking about in France. Uh, I want to hit Tiana T here with any comments, anything that we need to know, anything we missed. Um, there was a good one. Oh, there was one good one. Little cosmic girl on um, TikTok said, "I'd rather drink piss than Bud Light." Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> uh, I like this chick already. <laughs> well, one time when I asked, I asked very good piss. I asked Artie to go get me some Bud Light, and she came back with six Bud Light limes. And I and I, I said to her, I said, like, you, "Did you think anything was funny? Like, did did the can look off?" She's like, "Oh, what do you mean?" Now, obviously, she must not drink as frequently as I do. But for me, like, if I got a regular Budweiser and somebody gave me like an orange can or a purple can, I mean, this is not instantly I would know it comes in a red and silver. A red and white can. Bud Light is going to be blue and silver. Blue. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be blue. So I don't know. Yeah. I like it. Sorry. Uh, so we had six of them the, the one I'm night. I'm tolerant. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I have I have a higher tolerance. <laughs> so uh, tolerance doesn't mean that you endorse the behavior. You're just kind of saying like it doesn't bother me enough that I'm going to actively try and stop it. So. And that- and, and so, like, I'm not saying that, like, this person who's doing the whole IO communing with plant spirits thing should stop doing it. Like, he's not hurting any. Why care? But at the same time, I can look and be like, that sounds really stupid. Yes. Um, what the, the topic that led us into this tolerance conversation 
was what happened. You said it was last week or the week before? Uh, well, roughly 10 today, days. Today, so. there was the, today there was a fresh attack in France about yeah. two weeks ago. There was another set of attacks. And about a month ago, there was another attack. And these are all related loosely to 2015 when the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo published a number of satirical images of the Prophet Muhammad. And it was controversial at the time. Apparently, it's controversial to this day. And, Rosh, I'll let you take it from here. I would just say that uh, I'll just start by saying that we have a we are living similar events in America. This is not something that is pertaining to one area in Europe or anywhere in the world. You know, uh, extremists, um, uh, the, 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 um, uh, the religion is supposed to unite people. And actually, for the lack of a better word, it's, it's, it's missing the point um, in, in terms of it's dividing people. It's dividing people and it's, it's, it's causing a lot of wars. So now I'm not actually, actually saying religions are bad. Or religion for, or, 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 or political opinions or anything like that. They're good for people. You know, give them, give them faith, give them guidance. But anything that is abused, anything that is misdirected, anything that has a different agenda ends, ends up harming not only a bunch of people, but the very people that are trying to exercise their right of having their own religions. Right now, the debate is Muslims against Islamists. Two separate things. Muslims are regular, moderate people trying to practice their religion. Islamists have a different agenda. And, and it's really, <laughs> a lot of people are putting them in one bag, and it's a shame. Well, a lot Yo, of people can you don't, don't know. Explain a little bit more about the difference between a Muslim versus an Islamist. Sure. Uh, just like Zionists uh, uh, and, and regular uh, uh, Jewish people practicing their religions, there are people that are extremists. Uh, we call them. What is it? Extremists. Extremists. <laughs> we call them extremists. These are people that have their own agenda. Um, uh, they generate chaos, which generate, you know, uh, war, which generate, uh, uh, you know, um, a lot of troubles everywhere they go. And people are looking at it as, no, 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 it has to be the same, the same club. Well, I think, I think. So I just searched this. It says Muslims are followers of Islam. Right. Um, and Islam means the submission to the will of God. So I imagine if you are identifying with Islam, you are a more extreme version of a Muslim. So I, I guess it would be Muslims are those who are like follow the religion of Islam, whereas Islamists are those that are trying to actively convert others to Islam. It's it's a, it's a lot more deeper than that. They are trying not they are not recruiting if that's what you mean. Um, they are actually recruiting, but Islamists are by all means people that completely change the message that is written in the in the, in the holy uh, book in the Quran. 
So, so let, let me just back up because a lot of people don't know, know what happened with Charlie Hebdo. And Charlie Hebdo, welcome to the conversation, Andres. Um, so Andres is a little hungover from his birthday yesterday. And, uh, <laughs> no, because he slept until five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Not a bad day. So uh, uh, we were talking about Charlie Hebdo and the attacks on Charlie Hebdo, which is a French uh, publication. It's a French newspaper. And some Muslim extremists came. They shot up the lobby of the Charlie Hebdo. Um, the actual office. Yeah, they shot up. The- yeah, they, they yeah they broke into the office. They killed a number of writers and publishers there, and security staff. It was not good. And so it, it started. That was uh, back in uh, a few years ago. Twenty fifteen, I believe. And it started uh, this movement where everybody rose against so much intolerance. Um, well, the, the, the people were intolerant because they believed it was contradictory. The, the religion doesn't allow images to be published of... That are not flattering. Of... Uh, of, of who it, was it? That guy? The Prophet Muhammad. Muhammad. Uh, so... It's like, oh, the French... Uh, the French newspaper. That's what right. Yes. And then recently, there was a college professor. I think he just showed the images. It was, high school. It was a middle school teacher. Middle school, middle school teacher. He he showed the images in class as part of a lesson on free speech. Right. And, and, and he's a couple right. days later. I'm yeah, sorry. a couple days later, one of his students was super incensed about this and publicly beheaded him. And so that was about two weeks ago. Um, no, about a, no, this was in, in France. About a month ago, there was actually so the offices of Charlie Hebdo used to be at some building in Paris. After the attacks in 2015, the offices of Charlie Hebdo moved to some secret location that hasn't been revealed. So they're still producing the paper, but it's it, they, nobody, they, they have not told the public where the office is to avoid future attacks. But outside the offices of, well, the former offices of Charlie Hebdo, um, somebody stabbed like two people outside. And these people weren't even related to the newspaper. They yeah. were just like, in the in in the office building, um, yeah, he that was, was about a month ago. Yeah, and, and so yeah, was, two weeks ago the teacher. Yeah, so two weeks ago the teacher that showed the the images of Muhammad that were portrayed by Charlie Hebdo in 2015, he was publicly beheaded by somebody who was upset about the fact that a teacher would show this in school, and then today, there was another attack in Nice in the south of France uh, of three people that were in a church. And in in the they're still investigating it, obviously. But the the thought is that it's going to be a continued reaction to what happened a week or two weeks ago. Yeah, which which. So people people are are um, they don't know what to think anymore because you have you have people that do their own research, they do their own homework, they know exactly who is the attacker, they know exactly where that stemmed from. What motivated it? What provoked it? And, and and they do separate Muslims and Islamists, and they they, they they do understand that. But the majority, they are at the point where where enough is enough. Um, you well, know, I think I think we need to be. I think we just need to be preaching more uh, tolerance and techniques to deal with adversity in general in life. I think the cancel culture. Uh, you know, the, the current culture with the cancel culture, people who see or hear something they don't like and want to have everybody boycott it. And I, 
I'm really curious where all that energy comes from. I, I usually am pretty apathetic when it comes to most things. Um, you know, I may mention it, but you know, the homeless people in the city drive me nuts. But you know, I'm I'm not going to start an initiative to to clean up the city streets because I'm not not that incensed about it. I'm not. But then that... again, in trying to clean up the streets, you mean like in a legal way, in a nice way, we can place them in other you know places where they can have a the winter here in New York is super cold. Well, I wonder what's going to happen. Exactly. That problem solves itself eventually in summer or something like that. Uh, but then there's also these kind of people that think, or I had a conversation with someone before, that were like, we can just, you know, give them food that has poison in there and just put them down. It's gonna play yeah. them. No, it's gonna. But I'm, I'm not. I would. That's, that's, you know, that's not. So one thing is, what do you want to do? Like, as uh, so a human being, I mean, like, hey, let's give them a place to stay where they can, you know, rehabilitate themselves or whatever. And then there's also the other extremists where you're like, I'm just gonna. But, but what I'm saying is, is if someone was to do that, where does that feeling originate? And why is it an actionable feeling? People are, are having these feelings about something they don't like, and they're taking action. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. What, uh, do, you think, what do you think makes a human? Society makes a human, or the human itself creates society? Uh, I, I would cite uh, uh, JFK when he said, don't ask what your country can do for you but rather ask yourself what you can do for your country. And, and we have, I started earlier by saying we have similar events in the US because you have the tolerance towards bearing arms. Uh, you know, people having access to, 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 to guns and, and going to school and, 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 and you know what happened with the massacres. It's not so far-fetched from the tolerance we're talking about in terms of religion and extremist religion. So the word is sick, yes. So where do we, place the bar of, of tolerance. And if we tolerant, that means that we stop criticizing. That means we accept everything just just because it's nice. Well, you can't do that. But it's people not growing up with, somebody calls you a name on a playground, now you have to have that kid expelled, right? You just can't learn how to-, how to that, that, That's a bit extreme there. No, I, I, I don't think it is. You know, I think, yeah, I think it's good to crack down on bullies, but then, when anything, even a minor, minor yeah, pass, that's, that, that's not bullying. That's just building character. Mm. We all grew up uh, in, high, in high school. Like, oh. The way that I grew up in high school, like that was not so bullying. That was just our being no. a human being. That's, in that's, that's, day, in, in, that's in your Ecuador. perspective. Exactly. That was my perspective. And you know, somebody used to call me names, and I'll do even worse. I'll call them names. I'll, 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 you know, and that's one of the reasons why I think the battle pickers came. Uh, going beyond that when you, you know, call names to other people and things like that. Going to the extreme to actually start fighting or creating, you know, uh, a place where you no longer, no longer feel secure to go. I think that's something that we should put, you know, like an end to. Are you, are you, uh, are you uh, pro the message that, you know, that you have to pressure somebody to see what they made of? Yeah. You are. Okay. But that's because of my point of view, that's because of how I grew up and the, the way I got, I, I, got I, I believe I work best, but there's other people that own pressure that will break. Right, right. Because and a lot not, of people not also, they, they, they're not, not as tough yeah. as you. I would say not uh, as tough, but they just haven't lived 
certain experiences or certain well, things. It comes with experience, right, it comes with experience exactly. and it comes so, with knowledge. And, but then, then again, for you to get that experience, you also have to you know, develop or for, for a second use. Branch it. Absolutely, I agree. You have these, these characteristics where if somebody calls your name or somebody tells you something, you have to like, I got it, okay, I can actually let it go. You can grow from there, but if you're so scared to go out there and have these experiences, how are you going to develop? I, I totally see where you're from, where we're coming from. I, 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 I understand that. However, a lot of kids don't buy into it and they just get bullied and then uh, they end up committing suicide. Yeah. This is, there's a, there's there's a rising um, amount of uh, of, of kids um, that, that does that, and yeah. they yeah, just they awesome. just don't know how to counterattack. Not only that, but I must add that we live in an area of the internet where people can cyber bully you, and if you're an adolescent, a teenager, you are really not equipped with with facing a crowd that is uh, really coming at you with everything they have. Well, I think that has a lot to do with parenting as well. You know, I think, I think parents need to Absolutely. Teach, teach their kids how to take a hit, whether it's a, you know, psychological, emotional hit, or it's a physical hit, you know, where you're on a football field or soccer field. But, you know, in terms of the pussy culture that we're looking at right now, where everybody is, is so easily offended, you know, cyberbullying, like, I, I I got a mean comment on on LinkedIn the other day. I'll give you over. I got a mean comment on LinkedIn. Uh, basically, I posted something about how you know coronavirus had done some damage to the business. Uh, we were in rough shape, and we had to let people go. And there was an overwhelming. I to this day, I've never had so many comments and and shares and and people reaching out to me on that post. Uh, but one person said. I'm glad it happened to this guy. I met him once and he was a real dick. <laughs> I, I hope his business goes down or something like that. And I was just like, I don't even know who this guy is. Um, I don't even know who this guy is. And uh, I just took a screenshot of his comment and reposted it because I thought it was funny. You know, and, and, uh, and that's how I dealt with it. And I think a lot, of, you know, a lot of people should be turning that stuff right back around because I think it speaks more of the person who's saying things mm -hmm. than of the receiver. And also with how the recipient deals with it says a lot about them as well. Um, do you guys have any comments that, that we should know about and address? Somebody said the present. Oh, present. that's very nice. Two presents yeah. for Rush's birthday? <laughs> uh, um, there's a lot of comments. Okay. Um, you just gotta let I me will know. never understand how any religion Say that they're God, except they are not. Let's set the record straight. This religion well, we're talking about Islam, right? Never, never said to kill anybody. Allah never said anything about that. And you can't even find it in the Quran. But people read the Russia, Russia, are you Muslim? I was. What are you? I'm not gonna get into it. No, no, no. Like because I, I, I have friends in Charleston and, and they're great people. And so I don't think that there should be any constru anything construed in this conversation that we're anti-Islam no, no, or anti-Muslims. Absolutely. No, I, I would say one thing uh, only is that I, I don't consider myself religious, but I'm spiritual. So when I said I was, it's because I'm not actively uh, doing anything about it. And I can't decently say I belong to certain religion because I'm not doing anything about it. Yeah, it's the so, same way as Catholics. Yeah. Just because you're a Catholic doesn't mean you're yeah, a Yeah, just because your parents... Or, exactly. You know, 90% of Catholics yeah. are people that, you know, 
are belong to the church. Yeah, I mean, I it's not about church going or goers. It's not it's not about practice. It's about what are you doing about it. So if you're not doing it, then think about it. Can you be really really decently ask uh, call yourself, uh, you know, Christian or Muslim, Jewish, whatever? Uh, so uh, at least I, I'm honest enough to tell you that I'm not doing anything about it. Uh, that's one thing. But but also I understand. 100% that there's nowhere in the Quran that says it's okay to to kill people. So going back to the message of the extremist Islamists, they are just uh, conveying a wrong message. And it's very easy for somebody on the outside to look at it and say, oh, so that's the message from the, the holy book, the Quran. And well, they're, doing it, they're doing it in the name of, yes. you know, if, if somebody attacked you and I went over and punched them, Exactly. In protection of you, it didn't. No, no, never did you tell me to go punch them. Imagine for a second that I'm wearing a T-shirt that says the Dijuda group, and then I go and scam people into renting apartments or buying or things like that. I'm introducing myself on behalf of what actually I never even set a foot in the agency, and I'm not even affiliated. That's not the business model. <laughs> definitely, definitely not the business model. So far, we, we get a lot of good reviews. And I but you're getting the idea. It's so easy. But if you do it with enough people, it, it, a massive amount of people, people buy into it, especially when they have no knowledge whatsoever of a certain religion. It's just easy. Um, well, what, what so let me throw something out here from uh, a philosophy class that I got. We're all ears. So... Um, I took a class in philosophy called ethics, which is not just ethics in terms of like everyone's taken an ethics class. I'm, sh I'm sure at some point, like a professional ethics class or something like that. But um, phil philosophy ethics is going to be looking at like the entire history of how ethical philosophy evolved, going all the way back to the beginning of philosophy, ancient Greeks, all the way up through modern day. And so this is the first day of the class and the professor you know, this is kind of just an introduction of, all right, what's this class about and what do you guys think ethics is? And so the professor who super smart dude, Dr. Santilli from uh, Siena, who's now retired, but I got to throw the name out there. Um, he gives, he says, you know what? I'm going to tell you what the answer to ethics is on the first day of class. So that way you guys can just know. I said, all right. And he says, ethics is giving your place to another. Okay. Now, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but one theme that you'll find in ethical philosophy throughout is going to be the idea of there's you and then there's the other. And so if you view somebody else as another you versus viewing somebody else as the other. Yes. Absolutely. And so I think, I think you see a lot of that right now where we can talk about the United States political landscape, but we'll stay on topic and we'll talk about France and what's going on with the Charlie Hebdo and Islamist extremism. extremism is that, and this kind of goes both ways, actually. I think is, it's good to, you, you can segue that to, to, to where you're going. It's, it's yeah, so because you so started by saying, for, you started by saying the way you see others as you see yourself. Or you just see others as they are. That actually, you can segue that to, to, to what's going on 
in the U.S. from from, from what's going on in Europe. Yeah, so I can tie this back to the United States very easily. But I want to stay on topic with France right now, which is that so to the French people. And this is this is the problem with French secularism, which I generally endorse. But with French secularism, if they're looking at Islamism and Muslims as the other, then they're going to treat it insensitively to the point where they're going to inflame tensions because they see them as not like themselves. They see them as the other. So we don't need to worry about offending them because they're the other. And so the natural response from people that might be on the cusp of being radicalized, but not necessarily, is when they feel like they're being treated as the other, it's very easy for them to look at French society as the other. And so if you're killing the other, it's much less offensive internally than if you're killing someone that is of your own kind. And so you can look at the people that have, that have killed people in France. And like, so you've got the Islamists that are killing people and they're looking at the, the French citizens that they're killing. They're killing the other. It's not really killing. It's killing the other. They don't look at them as the same in group. And that's the problem. And so part of me thinks about um, some stories that I've heard from like 1950s and 1960s KKK, yeah. where, what, where you had where the, the story that I think of is there was a guy that was a member of the KKK that a black person approached and actually befriended and said, look, I need let me let me show you what being black is really like in this country at this time. And the black person didn't treat the KKK member as an other. He treated him as a fellow person. And the, yeah. to the KKK member's credit, he was willing to listen. And once he started to listen and stop treating the black person as an other, then they could start to have a conversation and realize that they weren't dissimilar. And right. so. But it's, it's also, it's also really to, easy to be radicalized when that's what you're surrounded with. And that's what you know. And when you are fragile. So this keeps on circling back to stop seeing other people as the other. The other. It's when they are vulnerable, when they don't have an identity, when they are young, when their brain is still, you know, wide open like a sponge, it's very easy to do. And so it's a great market for the uh, whoever is recruiting because they're not targeting something that is uh, you know, the fabric of this person is so set into their ways that it's very hard to break them. They just go to these innocent young people that are having problems with either their country or their families or their religion, or they have a break. Or all of them. And all of them, uh, all the above. And they go, listen, we offer you a way in, uh, actually a way out. And this is how you do it. So, so Rush, let me, let, me, let me double up on that because I think you're onto something. Which is, if you take you take somebody, so a lot of these people are mid to late teens. So they're going through a lot of changes in their life in a variety of different ways. And if you're a Muslim growing up in France, which is a highly secularized society, you're already feeling like you don't identify with society. Okay. You're mid to late teens, you don't really know what you want. So if you're somebody in your mid to late thirties that has a solid idea as to how to sell these kind of things, these ideas to somebody, what better group to target 
than someone who's going through a personal identity crisis in a country where they don't feel like they're fully accepted. It's very easy to paint the whole country and the secular society as the other. Absolutely. And you are absolutely on point. You absolutely recap the situation very accurately. Well, yeah, but I, what, what I want to understand is how a, an entire country can look at anybody who crosses the border, comes from somewhere else, as the other. Especially when it's a country like the U.S., where Ooh, that's... We, came, we came from all over the place. It's only been a few decades. And now we're like, yeah, we're not into that anymore. Or same thing with, I was in England during Brexit. And like the day that they voted to pass it. Um, and uh, it was really there was a major undertone of what was England and what was Britain. And it was mostly they met it was a white English person. And it wasn't, you know, I I'd never had that experience in, in England. Everybody I knew in England was, was very different. London is a very diverse place. It's like New York City. Um, but then going to the north of England, which is kind of like the inverse of the U.S., it's like the south of the U.S., where people are, uh, I don't know, more racist, I would think, and kind of, you know, it's definitely Less prejudice. Yeah, more prejudice. Right, more yeah. prejudice. Uh, but it was it's a reverse in England, and I happened to be in the north for a wedding um, on the day of Brexit, and yeah, like there were some bars that have the the England flag, like. Uh, not the Union Jack, but the white England flag. You don't want to talk right, about right. the equivalent of uh, the, the Southern uh, Confederate, Confederate flag. Confederate flag. Huh. Yeah, you see that a lot in South Carolina. But in yeah. the north of England, you see a lot of the original white English English flag, which I don't know enough about it. And but they I, have the own statues. And I and I realized though that the bars and the pubs that had all those flags outside, you know, the, the people I was with were not, you know, we weren't we weren't welcome in in those places at all. So, well, the people I was with. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll explain. Well, so let's start by talking yeah, about. Can I add something real quick, James? Because, uh, to just yeah, go to, ahead, man. Just, just to add to what you said and what you said, that was, um, you probably heard about uh, this guy named Morgan Spurlock. He's got a show on TV called 30 Days. Um, He's the guy you know, who made uh, Super Size, right? Exactly. Super yeah. Size by McDonald. He, uh, in, in one of the episodes, was about. Uh, a border patrol, an American border patrol uh, officer uh, that was, uh, you know, working on the uh, border between Texas and, and Mexico. And he got to know a family of, of, of uh, illegal immigrant from Mexico. I don't know if you saw the show, but it, I haven't, it, but I'm interested. It's it's uh, it really goes in the same vein that uh, the story that you just uh, explained earlier, where uh, about the, the the African-American person talking to uh, a member of the KKK, this person accepted to go inside uh, somebody's house, the old immigrant, and, uh, and they are, and they are, he's trying to get your attention. Uh -huh. Okay. And, 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 and he, he just accepted to leave a couple of days because the show is called 30 Days. He accepted to, okay. to live with this, with this family. And there was a bond between him and this family that was created because for once he just put down the uh, the hat that he was proudly wearing just to open his mind and expand his horizon about what these people must live like every single day. So they were no longer the other. 
Yes. Yes. And then and then uh, it expanded his horizon and and and, and his uh, in his tolerance. And at the end of the shot, I don't want to ruin, but 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 uh, he was a different man. Ruin it. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that you should you should probably watch. It's very educational. Yeah, and you know, I think we're hitting on a, on a different problem as well. Education, because as I said before, I've been here for five years. Uh, and five years ago, I was not the same person that I am right now. You used to be younger, right? I used to be younger. Yeah, I'm working on so. Fuck you. I'm only 27. No, you're 28. No, I just turned 27. <laughs> you know you were uh, saying 28 the whole time, right? Yeah, you literally were. <laughs> so, so five years ago you were younger five years ago I was younger. and this is before right yeah i've been here okay. in the u.s for five years and the u.s literally changed my, my my train of thought in a whole different way compared to when i was in ecuador back then when i was in ecuador as we had this conversation before i was very homophobic i was uh very racist with my own kind of even with we're just you know we don't have one black white people there but brown people and black people Kudos uh, for saying it, first of all. <coughs> and so I was, I, I, racist. I was racist with my own kind because of a last name, not even because of their skin color, just because of the last name. Something super stupid. Mm, I was 21, I was 19, I was 18, and I grew up on a circle of people that made me believe that that was the, the right way to, uh, mm. to actually behave, to be. And now that I look back at it, I, I acted like a fucking jerk. I was super stupid. And all of that changed when I came to the US. and I. I just didn't come to the US, I came to New York. And in New York, Melting you have class. so many cultures, so many people from so many backgrounds and so many ideas and ways that they feel and ways that they love and, you know, different sexual orientations and, and whatever. And when I came here, uh, one of the first persons that actually helped me out the most, either learning the language, uh, moving around and everything, was a gay guy that didn't look like gay. He was just a regular human being. I found out that he was gay when we went out to this party. He was like, hey, do you want to come over with my boyfriend? I was like, your boyfriend? You mean? I was like, yeah, my boyfriend. I was like, are you gay? And I was like, yeah, I'm gay. But in my mind, gay people were like mentally ill. Were, I don't know, these demons that got possessed and, you know, took over people and whatever. That's something that you believe in Ecuador. And people think that, you know, if you're gay, you're possessed by the devil and whatever. Mm-hmm. All of these things. But it's just a lack of education. When I came here and I saw him, and he actually guided me through all these things. He made me understand that the wrongs that I did before and the horrible things that I used to say or tell to people. And that made me change to be the person that I am now, a more comprehensive, more open-minded, and you know, more educated human being. Because I think that's what we're lacking in every single pro- uh, aspect of racism. Racism is a lack of education. Yeah, you don't have the, uh, the experience or the person to talk to to be as james says to be the other person to be in the other person's shoes because mm-hmm. i think that's that's the best way for you to understand them and learn about them and sometimes the best way is actually to take a leap of faith of of trying to live like that not live what that like that person because that's too much asking yeah. but at least travel go somewhere talk to people different that, that are different from you um, even in terms of culinary, like uh, oh try different God, food, yeah. cuisine, anything. It doesn't even require – I would argue that we eat, it doesn't right? require any of the things that you guys are saying. Like well, that but, any of the things that you guys are saying are, are all great steps, but it doesn't require that level of commitment. It just requires a shift in thought to being able to consider the other person that you're talking to as like your 
You don't even have to do anything that they do. You just have to look at them like you look at yourself. Did I tell you about the time where uh, I was invited over a friend's house in South Carolina? And uh, I was literally. Uh, where in South Carolina? In uh, Savannah. So, uh, excuse, not me, South Carolina. Not, no, excuse me, uh, in, in uh, not South Carolina, in, in Savannah, Georgia, I was invited in a friend's house, and one of the guests uh, thought I was an intruder. So, what? I was in the <laughs> What? Because the way I look, or maybe in my accent. So, basically, approached me very politely. It was like, hey, who you know here? Oh, shit. Yeah. And I, 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 I saw it coming so, so from, from a mile away, and I played the game. I was not offended whatsoever. I was smiling and I said, um, no, well, this is my friend over there and they invited me over. He said, oh, okay, you sound kind of like uh, interesting. He didn't want to say anything that is derogatory. He said, uh, where are you from? So yeah. I, and I, I let him guess and he could not pinpoint where I was from, but it was, it was entertaining for me for a moment. But then- Well, what, what was your answer for where you were from? Uh, I, I told him somewhere from North Africa. He said. You, you, I mean, he did this. You're not, you're not black. So that shows already That's the, something the level. Yeah. The, the, it, there's, Wait. There, there's a big, but let, let's go even further. Uh, maybe 20 minutes in, I finally told him that uh, this is my wife right there. And I'm, I'm married to, to this, uh, this lady that is an American person. And all of a sudden, you can see the relief on his face. He was he backed off. He was like, "Ah!" Oh! He was about to call ice. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you know. And it's just it's it's a shame. But I didn't make a big deal out of it because it's not the first time I was that I, you know, made. I feel that. I say I say you should drop his name right now, and we should we should really blow it up. We can get fired. I really fired. don't know his name. I really don't know his name. We get huh? Repossess, we can have his home foreclosed on. But people we could just cancel. No, Savannah's two hours away from me. I can be there like, before the end of the night. Yeah. No, you, you don't even have to go that far. We you live, you live, you live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I bought a house in on Daniel Island. And I was. You lived on Daniel Island? Yeah, I, 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 I lived in Daniel Island for four years. I bought a house there. It's a weird place. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great place. It's a great place to live. It's very manicure. It's like you're, uh, you know, uh, Wisteria Lane. If, you, if you're into, uh, have you seen the movie Stepford Wives? Yes, that's why I was. That's that's why I was. Uh, I was referring to which is uh, the the house. The what is it called? The um, Housewives of uh, you know the, what the Housewives of South Carolina. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, God, no, no let's no, not no, do kidding. that. But like, but, whenever I go to Daniel Island, which is infrequent, I just think fucking Stepford Wives. It's it's very manicured. It's everything is so. It's new. It's every, new. So everything it's, it's is very new. You know, and but it's, it's it's high end. And the reason I mentioned South Carolina is precisely buying a house, in in that that type of uh, you know upscale neighborhood is because I was always made feel uh, a foreigner because really? I was not you know blonde blue eyes. And I'm not saying that the majority of people living there, but you're not going to see somebody else looking at me or sounding like me in the Island. It doesn't exist. No, not I really. Exist. And I was driving. No. A, <laughs> I remember Rice car. I was driving a riggedy garbage 1994 Ford Explorer falling apart. $700. I think, I think like the door was tied the out. Door, I was holding the door. <laughs> 
with my head at some point uh, because it was just falling. So I had to <laughs> down the windows. And that builds character. Yes, Come exactly. on. Everybody yeah. can drive a shit car at some right. point in their life but, and just suck it up and realize that you're you're more than this car. Like you can't. People spend so many hundreds and thousands of dollars on a piece of car that has four wheels to take you from A to B. I refuse to do that. My car did the job, but my car did not look the part where at the right setting. So I was looked at a guy that was here to uh, uh, to cut the grass. <laughs> um, and and I, I was conscious about it, but it's still so entertaining. I didn't make a big deal of it, but well, you because, because you're tolerant and and your understanding of where other people and, and you know where their perspective is coming from. Uh, and Jane. this is why I live here. I live here in New York, just like Andres said, because it's a big melting pot of cultures. It's a it's it's nobody would look at you in New York in a different way. You know, and but they would just because they will tell you to, they will tell you to go fuck yourself on Absolutely. the street. So yeah, uh, but that's deserved. <laughs> um, Jane, you're gonna, you're gonna say something about the U.S. Uh, a couple of minutes back. Well, it was gonna. I was gonna respond to what you were talking about. Uh, before you talk, someone said uh, volunteering at different culture centers is a great way to start to learn about other people's cultures. Yeah, agree. I agree. That's yeah. It's a good thing. So you were talking about. You mentioned something about the other and where the United States currently stands, especially when it comes to immigration policy. Yeah. And I think that that ties in as perfectly as it possibly can to my general theorem piggybacking off of my professor's idea of the other. So why do we demonize immigrants? Because they are the other. They don't share our culture. They don't share our language. They don't share it, it, the perception is that they don't share anything about this country that we do. Whereas I don't think that that's truly the case, well, but, then, but then how why is it so American demonize culture? immigrants? Because they don't, because we can easily make them the other. They're coming from a different place. They speak a different language. They look different than us. But then, but then define our culture. What is it? Applebee's and Fridays and baseball well, is baseball well, isn't baseball in yo, America baseball's cricket? big in Mexico Mexico loves baseball yeah but it, it, uh, it does it come from cricket or is it uh no that, it, 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 the, the whole idea is it doesn't matter what our culture is it's well, saying, whatever these spend are, 30 seconds and, and define and define what our culture is and then I'm not going to because, because the point is American food I'm having a hot dog and a hamburger I'm not even, ha you know, if I have pizza, that's Italian. If I have Chinese food, that's, uh, that's Chinese. If I have Mexican Yo, food. Hamburger's a German word. Uh, oh, well, that, so you Hot point. dog, Frankfurter, German. So so let's define Anyways. American food. And let's define no. American, not not defined by from somewhere else. All you have to do is just look, I, one I, level deep. Look, I'm going to come with the counterfactual here. And, the and more, you know, you make it bigger. If you have a Mexican taco, like, have you had a, a, a taco in Mexico? It's a small thing. It's a little thing in the palm of your hand. Well, I uh, whereas in New York, you have a uh, Taco Bell that gives you this chalupa. <laughs> yeah, but wow. so let, let me just go with the counterfactual here, which is that your point is correct and well-received. But for the people that are anti-immigrant or demonizing immigrants, doesn't matter what American culture is, that the people coming across 
culture are the other. So whatever American culture is, they're not. <laughs> it doesn't matter what they believe. You'll be able to find something that they believe that's counter to whatever you think American culture is. So, again, it's I can find something in you to make you the other. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying that this is how it works. That's the definition of other. Right. But it's it's the, it doesn't matter how similar they are to us or what their hopes and dreams are whether or not their aspirations line up with American values. It's I'm going to be able to, if I have in my head, I want to make you demonized in some way, then I'm going to be able to find one small difference and be able to blow it up and magnify it that you are now the other. And I can try and say that you shouldn't be here. I'm not arguing for this case, but that's how it works. James, a funny story about that. It's, it's, uh, you know, People sometimes in their own home, in their own country, feel like they, 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 they have not been acknowledged or the, 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 the perception of the foreigner that's coming and visiting their own country is, is, is rigged, is, is completely different. Here's an example. In 2013, I went with Robin to Tunisia, North Africa. It was for the first time. And uh, she's American. 2013? I think it was 2013, mm-hmm. yeah. We went to. Are, are you Tunisian? I am. Yeah, m- among other things. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really. <laughs> Russia's Tunisian, born in Switzerland, grew up in France, lived in South Carolina, lived in New York twice. Uh, am I missing him? <laughs> and and now you're an official American. I'm Congra- French American. Congratulations! Congratulations! <laughs> I haven't seen you since then. I know. I know. So it's so recent. October your handshake eight. feels different. Feels much more American. <laughs> So, so yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do consider myself to be an international citizen because I have three citizenships. I speak four languages. I, I do not pick one country or one language over another. I'm accepting of all of my heritage, and it makes me uh, who I am. But I, I, I don't feel like I am more this or no more that. I, I love that universality about my travels and, and, and the culture, I, I, I really treasure. And I haven't, always, I haven't always done that. But as you grow, as you mature, you come to understand that you are all of these bits and pieces. But going, back, going back to uh, the example of 2013, uh, uh, Robin, uh, was he, she never set the foot outside of uh, uh, the US other than going to Mexico. And so that, that was a big, big leap of faith for her to go there. And she had some, 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 some preconceived idea, but she was open uh, to try new things. But anyway, long story short, we land in Tunisia, go to the hotel and whatnot. And one of these days we take a cab. So in uh, Tunisia, I know that when you take a cab, you have to, sit, at least one of us has to sit in the front. It's just the way it is. Why? It's just the way it is. You know, you, you don't sit in the back, especially if you're one. You just don't sit so snobbish. You know, you... Really? Well, yeah, it's very snobbish to sit in the back. You just sit in the front and you just bond with it. With the driver. Cab drivers in New York City when you get in the front, they're like, I know. like oh, sh- hold on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they have a lot of things like, in the passenger seat. Yeah, they have a bag, they have everything. But in Tunisia, they walk in that. And it was originally... Right, really so that's the culture. It's a culture thing. So, of course, okay. you know, like saying that I jumped in the front 
and she went in the back. But before that, I told her to say hello. I, I told her how to say hello in, in the native language. Mm -hmm. so, so sure enough. She what's, the, what's the native language? Tunisian, which is Arabic. So she said, okay. Salam Alaikum, which is hello. And she, she said that with her accent and the guy turned, almost broke his neck. He, <laughs> he turned around and then he looked at me and he, he spoke to me in Tunisian. He's like, this is your wife? I said, yeah. He said, she just spoke my language and greeted me. I said, yeah. He said, you guys are coming home having dinner with us. What the fuck? What? That's great. <laughs> now, this is this. No, <laughs> that's that's right. that I will say when I'm drunk. It's sad. If you really think about you it. Say, all that to me. Come to my house. Let's have something to drink. It's sad if you really think about it. Because this, this, this person was so overwhelmed that one foreigner came into his cab greeted him in his own language his response was so overwhelming that he had to invite us over to have to have me a meal with his family that that really i mean besides the comments i mean i would have been honored if i were you like that's it's mind-boggling and i couldn't believe that this is like a event for him but it is and it's sad because every day he deals with people that are intolerant he picks them up from the hotel they speak to him in a different language that he might not be familiar with, but he makes it. And for once, somebody went his way, his story, and said hello. And all of a sudden, he changed his way. Did He's you like, eat dinner with the guy? We actually went to his house, but uh, he, he took us, to, we, we wanted to go to uh, do some shopping. He took us to the, he waited for us. He's like, don't get another cap. I'll oh, wait wow. for you. Wow. And he opened the door as we were coming back with the bags. It's insane. Insane. This is how. I, so <clears throat> I tell you that sometimes when you are oppressed, it's not, you know, because it, it could be in your country, but because of the perception of, of you is, is so rigged and it's so different. You, the, your response is overwhelming. And I just wanted to mention that. So we, we got to wrap in a minute. I want to, I got a, I got a funny story for you. Um, about my friend's parents when they first moved here. They lived in Queens and they didn't speak English. And they had thrown, they were playing with a kid or something in the backyard. The Frisbee got thrown into the neighbor's yard. And um, I, they, they, they spoke Spanish. And like right from, I think, I think they were Cuban, I could be wrong, maybe Puerto Rican. Um, and this was a long time ago. Um, so his parents are probably in their 90s now. So this is way back. And uh, they threw the frisbee and the person threw it back and they said, Thank you. So in Spanish, James, when you say gracias, gracias what's the response? De nada. De nada. Which means for nothing. Uh, nothing. Don't worry about it. Okay. So they they said thank you because they know thank you. And the person said, You're welcome. Now that doesn't so translate in Spanish exactly. So they, they they were like, Oh, Oh, okay. And then they they went back inside and they were like, "You're like they're inviting us. They're inviting us over. They're inviting. They're inviting they, they just they deliberated on this and decided they had been invited. And decided they had been invited for dinner. They decided they had been invited over for for dinner and they showed up and the really. Yeah. That's so funny. I think they ate dinner together too, but um, but I don't know. I just think that story. So <laughs> That's hilarious. Actually. About the mistranslation. Wow.
Um, yeah. Why I think also learning languages helps you a lot with tolerance because it gives you another perspective. Not that I know any other languages. I mean, not, 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 well, not it also languages. puts you in a bolt. It, it, it also makes you vote because you're like, fuck, I don't understand anything that these people are saying. I hope I'm getting this right. Yeah. No, but I think, like, you see, when you get a computer, for example, or an iPhone now, you get updates every six to eight months. I think learning a language on the human race is like an update because I teach you not. You don't, before I learned don't, English, don't before, 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 before I learned this new language, and I'm barely talking English. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see the world the way that I see it now, and I think learning this new language actually made me open up my mind in a whole it different way. It actually up, upgraded me, you know, and that's the reason why I love languages as well. I speak English, I speak Spanish, I speak Italian, and I'm working on my way to speak a different language as well. And it's like an upgrade on everything that you know. You, you kind of see a different point of view. It's a lot easier to be on other people's shoes, and it's a lot easier to comprehend a different topic. I uh, just just one one thing. Since you're talking about languages, speaking a language is not just literally speaking a language. It doesn't just stop there. Speaking a language is an immersive way of understanding the culture. You can actually just you know throughout ways of traveling or way of uh, you can't really get that experience unless you're actually there though yeah but you can also meet people locally in your own place that speak different languages and just interacting with them or going to parties or or getting together and the, the figure of speeches the figure of speech are so different is so revealing about the how nice a culture could be uh just because they have a different way of putting things you know, oh, that's very tough to learn. Also, Debbie saying happy belated birthday, Rush. Debbie, Debbie Perry. Thank you, uh, Debbie. Um, all right, guys, we do. We we uh, we're past the seven thirty marks. So we gotta, gotta close down. Any last minute comments, real quick, that we we should address, and uh, just get on quick, and then we'll close up. Well, someone said if there wasn't an and quote other, what a beautiful world it would be. Hmm. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 funny because uh, I think it was uh, President Ronald Reagan that said the only way. Earlier, I I mentioned JFK, and now I'm like so American. Wow, you just yeah. <laughs> but Reagan said the the the, the time the, the the day we will all get together, and I'm just paraphrasing. It's not quote unquote. The way we the the day we all get together is that if we were attacked by an alien entity. Yeah. If we see another uh, not. A different rate. Exactly. Neil deGrasse Tyson, that was right. Um, all right, guys, thank you for joining us. James, I'll catch up with you later. Welcome back to the, 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 East, the Coast. East Coast. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. See you later. All right, cheers. Rosh, happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome uh, back. Uh, so, uh, bam, bam. Uh, all right, that's the end of the episode. Uh, thank you for joining us. If you have not liked or subscribed to this podcast, you're doing me a disservice. That's not very nice. Uh, I don't like it. If you have, I love you. Uh, see you guys later. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.